Gene and Roger is the story of the two most powerful, influential movie critics of their time, Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert. You can find Gene and Roger on the Big Picture feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's a quick trailer. It seemed like a crazy idea for a TV show. Take two rivals and let them duke it out about movies. But Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert quickly became the most popular film critics in the country. Millions of viewers tuned in to see whether they vote thumbs up or thumbs down. This is the story of two unlikely superstars who changed the way we argue. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Brian Raftery, and this is Gene and Roger. Listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. It is the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am Kevin Clark, joined by the fantasy football guys, two of my favorite people, Danny Hyphens and Danny Kelly, and then Craig Horlbeck. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Hot start for Kevin. Hi, Craig. How you doing, buddy? Good. Great to see you. I'll resume, Kevin. Great to see you. Uh, we're doing a mailbag today. It is fantasy football season. What's the earliest Danny Heifetz that you could conceivably do a fantasy draft and it be acceptable? Dude, Danny Kelly's been drafting since like April. He was doing rookie drafts before the draft. He never draft. stops. He always is drafting. <laughs> yeah, but this is but for like substantial, like yeah, substantial leagues with your buddies. I think you have to wait till at least the middle of the preseason. But like realistically, there's a point where in theory, you want to be close to the season. But I would always prioritize being if you can get your whole league together and all your friends in one place. And if it's three or four weeks before the season, I don't care. I'd rather like actually be physically in person. Obviously, if it's safe or wherever you're at. Uh, but that's always the ideal. Early August, I think you can get away. With like it. early August. Yeah. Anytime in the month of August, you can all get together works. My buddies and I in 2003 had our fantasy draft the day of the evening that Michael Vick broke his leg. And that was the fantasy apocalypse for me. Wow. <laughs> I did an yeah. I did a fantasy basketball draft one year, but just scheduling wise, we had to do it the day of the first game of the night season. And I drafted Gordon Hayward like 20 minutes oh, before wow. he broke his leg. And that sucked. Tough one. Danny, any other traumatic, uh, Danny Kelly, any traumatic drafting stories for you? <laughs> Since you, you've been drafting Let's for seven months. Let's just make the whole episode the time when... Uh, <laughs> we drafted the guy who got who got, who, who got dropped oh, like literally the day that they drafted him. No, there's a lot of those things. The, the point yeah. is just wait because injuries happen in the preseason. Injuries happen in training camp. Wait as long as possible. It feels like every year, though, it's harder and harder to get your groups of friends together. So just keep that in mind. 
That sounds like an adult, like an adulthood take. It is. It is. That's DK telling people not to have children. Yeah. The yeah, sands wow. of time. <laughs> wow. I didn't know how dark this was going to get so early. Yeah. All right. Let's do a mailbag. Uh, I'm really excited about this. So just so everybody knows housekeeping, we're going to do this mailbag on the Ring NFL show. And then I'm going to be the guest of the Dannys and Craig. And I'm going to be a part of the Hot Takes episode, which will be the second part of this episode. Uh, you also need to know about the Fantasy Football Guide. Uh, we blasted it out this morning. Uh, Danny, what was the best? Danny Kelly, what's the best part of it? Uh, I think the best part of it is that you can draft and you can click on guys that haven't drafted. So you can literally go on our draft guide and use it to have our top-ranked players um, at the top of the board. It's just a really helpful uh, draft tool. So I think that is the really cool part. Obviously, then... If you've seen my draft guide from the last couple of years, the NFL draft guide, it's the same format. Uh, KOC does the N NBA draft guide too. Um, very usable. The functionality is awesome. It looks beautiful. I can't take credit for that, but um, it's just really, really easy to use, really cool and good, uh, you know, obviously good content too. Fantasyfootball.theringer.com. We really just wanted to make something that like worked on any device you have. I think a lot of fantasy guides just kind of are stuck in the desktop era. And I think the thing that I'm most proud of is like you can look at this on your phone and it, it's great. It's beautiful, yeah. honestly. Fantasyfootball.theringer.com. I'm excited about it. I looked this morning. I loved it. Uh, I am fired up for this mailbag, for the guide, for it all. We will start with the question from all 20Q. What's the most popular narrative that you are not buying Craig Horlbeck? I think it's that ever like that the Saints will just be good again and all the fantasy players <laughs> from the Saints are totally fine. Direct that to Danny Kelly, who's been talking up the Saints all summer. <laughs> I just don't think that we can think about Alvin Kamara the same way we've thought about him the past four years. Everything is different. He doesn't have the ultra-efficient Drew Brees as his quarterback. Alvin Kamara doesn't get any touches. His whole thing is that he's like crazy super efficient. And now he might be quarterbacked by the least efficient quarterback of all time. Or Taysom Hill, who's going to take all this. <laughs> yeah, wait, I, I was actually curious which <laughs> yeah. person, which of those was the least efficient quarterback of all time. Which yeah. is a problem. Yeah. Danny I Kelly. mean, that's fair. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. And and my, my answer to this question is kind of like in the same line of thought that um, I think everyone is assuming Jameis Winston is going to be the starter. Or that's the prevailing thought right now, that he is the guy. What, it would be stupid of the Saints to go back to Taysom Hill. I think that's kind of the general narrative. Um, I'm not buying it. I think that at at worst, it's a open competition, and probably more likely, I think that Taysom has the edge. I'm starting to like really believe that Taysom is going to be the starter, not Jameis Winston. Um, you know, it's one of those things where I I don't really understand what happened from the regular season to the off season, where all of a sudden people think that uh, Sean Payton prefers Jameis Winston as the starter after he did not start Jameis Winston as his starter when Drew Brees went down. I don't really understand that leap in logic. Um, I think it's people having wishful thinking that they want Jameis to start because he would be so much more exciting and fun and interesting, at least from a fantasy point of view, because, you know, he's done, the, uh, you know, just crazy amounts of passing, crazy amounts of touchdowns, obviously lots and lots of picks to go with it. Um, but unfortunately for people that want that, I just don't see it happening again. I mean, it, there's a chance clearly that he could end up being the starter. Um but I don't think it's as clear-cut as everyone's making it out to be. I want to zag here because you said from a fantasy perspective, Winston's more interesting choice because he's throwing a lot of touchdowns. Isn't Taysom Hill, doesn't he have the potential to actually be one of the most interesting fantasy players? Yes. I For well, himself. So for Yeah, for the, for yeah, the quarterback yeah, yeah, position. Yeah, not for Michael Thomas. That would be a disaster. I'm saying that Taysom Hill. Absolutely. I mean, he could be a QB1. 
I mean, his rushing upside, his ability to be featured in the red zone, like he's a legit fullback. They like basically use him on power and stuff in the in the red zone. It's like Cam Newton in his prime. Not that they're the same player, but no, I got you. They're the same player. We heard you. Uh, <laughs> For- Arjuna, start working on that quote card. <laughs> yeah, god damn it. Uh, yeah, but right, but is he a good enough thrower? I mean, shit. Heifetz said that he'd rather have Jarvis Landry throw a pass last episode of the fantasy show than Taysom Hill. Well, Heifetz said it. I think Jarvis Landry has a better deep ball than Taysom Hill, and I, I stand by it. Dude, you guys remember the Taysom Hill deep ball from late in the season where it's like, I'm pretty sure it hit a, a rafter in the ceiling or something because it came straight down. And the, and the I don't know who <laughs> caught it. I forget who caught it, but he had like come back for it, literally come back like he was catching a fly ball. Um, it wasn't great. I'll admit that much. Kevin, do the Saints have a better record with Jameis or with Taysom? Probably, probably with Jameis. Probably with Jameis. Mm. Um, I, I think that the Taysom thing is interesting. And I also think that wh- why can't it be both? Yeah. Why can't we just still yeah. do the, an expanded Taysom experiment with Jameis as the starter, the quote unquote starter? I don't, I, I, I I don't think that you need to make a decision one or the other. You can go old Steve Spurrier. Just bring in bring in Taysom for third downs. Danny Heifetz, where are you on the Saints in 2021? I think it's interesting that Taysom Hill's making like four times more money than Jameis is. Like, or at least three times, I think. It, like, it, th- that's an underrated part of this. They're just paying Jameis backup money, and Taysom's getting like really bad tier quality starter money. But I think that the most likely answer is to what you said, Kevin, is Sean Payne's just going to do both. It's it's going to be like third and 10, probably Jameis. And maybe like the idea of starting, like even starting pitchers in baseball the last couple of years has been like the concept of it's been rattled. I think that the concept of what a starting quarterback is, Sean Payton wants to play with that idea. But I also kind of lean toward, I think that we always used to have this joke that like Bill Belichick secretly wanted Brady gone so we could just play the Jacoby Brissett game. And I think that's actually Sean Payton. Like, I think he's just excited mm-hmm. to tweak with the starting quarterback concept in general. And I'm sure that it will just mess with their opponents every week too. Danny Heifetz, uh, you just have one word here on your answer for what popular <laughs> narrative you're not buying. And I'd like you to expand on it. The word is Rogers. Oh yeah. yeah. So the narrative that I'm not buying is that Rogers won't come to training camp. He's going to come. And I, I know that this is probably a little less main. This is more mainstream now. I think a lot of people now believe he's going to come, but I just think Rogers has a lot of Jamie Lannister in him. Like Kevin, you've talked to Rogers a lot about Thrones. I have no idea if Rogers would like this Twice. comparison, but I just can't stop thinking about there's this moment in game of Thrones where Tywin Lannister, who's Jamie's father is basically being like, stop caring what people think you little dweeb. And Jamie's like, I don't care what people think of me. And Tywin looks at him and is like, that's what you want people to think of you. And I just think that's Rogers. Like, I think Rogers has this air that he wants to come off as if I don't care what anyone thinks. I'm an independent thinker. I think Rogers will care a lot if the Packers have what a top three fan base in the country by number of people, top four. If those people who worship you, if he doesn't show up to camp, if he doesn't play the season, they're going to hate him. I, like that really is underrated to me. It's bigger than the money. Obviously the number one loyalty he probably has is to the teammates. The thing that's underrated here is the Packers fan base will turn on him. And I just don't think that that's going to happen. So I think Rogers shows up and I think that there will be a, a lot of fans will be really annoyed that we talked about the Rogers thing so much. If he just shows up on day one, I think Rogers will show up and play for the Packers. I don't know if it's day one. I also don't think that whether or not the Packers fans like him is is high on his hierarchy of, of decision-making. Like, I, I actually think that he likes football. He realizes that if he plays this year, maybe there's a, a handshake agreement that he'll be traded in the offseason, something like that. Um, but I actually think he, he'd be generally okay with 
with uh, any any sort of turn in the in the fan base. Obviously, nobody wants to be disliked. I'm just saying I think that he's he, there's there's he has other priorities. Uh, Danny Kelly handicapped the Packers thing for us. Like, what are the odds they think that's going to happen? Yeah, I, well, let, there's two separate odds I want you to make. First is Aaron Rodgers is at training camp day one on July 27th, and the second is he starts game one. So I think uh, I would say starting game one, I'd say 70%, like 70-30 odds that he's going to start week one. And then I'd say probably like 55-45 that he'll be there on day one of training camp. I, I'm leaning that he will, but... Um, I still think that there's, you know, he he's got some leverage to, and and the ability to sit out for a while. But the the fines really do start adding up, right? Like he could yes. lose millions and millions and the of dollars. Can, and the Packers cannot pay that. But it's not just the money, though. It's like he loses three million dollars if he doesn't come to camp. But like Kevin, just the fact it's this isn't a running back. This isn't Ezekiel Elliott showing up the week before the season and just plugging in the starting lineup. Doesn't every single aspect of the Packers team get really screwed up? if he's just not there for two weeks of camp and just shows up in mid August, like he has to come to training camp on time. If he wants to play in week one, doesn't he at this point, you think so? I I feel like, no, no, I don't. I don't think that this is his 16th year. What is the latest Rogers could show up and play in week one? Danny, Danny, do you think if he shows up on August 6th, Matt LaFleur is like, we're going to roll with Jordan love August 6th. Yeah. August 16th or 26th i don't i don't i don't think so no like i don't think, I think you if he rolls roll in. in i think if he rolls in at 10 in the morning on the opening game sunday they're gonna be like <laughs> welcome back buddy yeah you want to talk about who fans would hate if matt lafleur didn't start rogers <laughs> fans would hate lafleur more than no Aaron. that that's not true if rogers just doesn't there for a month and comes on the two days before the fans are going to blame matt lafleur absolutely not that's rogers's fault that's the and that's the kind of you can't lead a football team by just skipping camp being like hey guys what's up let's play like that's not how it works he should sit out week one let jordan love suck and then come in and be like i'm back <laughs> that's the i play. don't think i don't think that it would be the optimum thing like i don't think it would be the best thing for the packers and aaron Rodgers if he skipped all of training camp i'm just saying he'd still be better than jordan love I I guess all the football cliches of like next man up, like the, every, the people in the NFL believe that stuff. And I just think it's not the NBA where like a James Harden sits out and comes in. And he has to okay. play. They believe that when it's a left guard, not when it's from MVP. <laughs> yeah. That's of the last they, season to, to the second year guy. Okay. Like we'll no see, one, I don't know. No, I, I, I think that next man up has its limits is what I would say about that. All right. Next question. What should be the new standard of fantasy football that best reflects in real life NFL play? This is the this is oh. the question for Heifetz because he is oh absolutely okay. freaking obsessed with Dude, everybody. Fantasy. Turn your mics <laughs> off for ten minutes. There's been two <laughs> rounds clock, of fantasy Danny. scoring. You have there's a play clock here, buddy. Okay. Oh my god. Fantasy football was invented like 50 years ago, and they were like running backs are the most important position. So running backs have an outsized influence on scoring. And then like 10 years ago, we all got ADHD, and they gave us a PPR scoring because apparently the millennials were upset, and just a, a one catch for zero yards gives you a point, which is dumb, which is equal to first down. The best fantasy scoring should do two things. It should just make quarterbacks the most valuable players in the NFL. It's kind of nuts that, oh, yeah, you don't need Mahomes. Just wait on quarterback. Get Jalen Hurts. In real life, Mahomes should be the best player. Get Taysom Hill, who might be QB1, according to Dark Knight over there. (laughs) Any scoring where Taysom Hill can outdo Mahomes is stupid. 
So either whether that means you have two quarterback leagues, which are my preference, or just making passing yards equal to rushing yards and passing touchdowns equal to receiving, whatever it is, just make quarterbacks the most valuable players. And then also, I just think points per first down should be a thing and points per reception should not be a thing. That's what I think is ideal. Does anyone else want to? I mean, yeah. Danny's so Heifetz loves to get on a soapbox about this. I think, generally <laughs> speaking, I do agree. However, I'm sort of in that mindset where I'm like, we're not fucking changing this. Like, it's not <laughs> happening. PPR is here to stay. Deal with it. Get over it. It's not like real football, and that's fine. This is fantasy football. This is how it works. I like points. I like points. I like more points. I don't like when my starters score like six points. I want, you know, I want more points. That's why PPR is good. That's the millennial generation. Half PPR is the perfect middle ground. I feel like we can all agree on that. Heifetz's quarterback thing, I think, actually makes a ton of sense. Mahomes should sure. be the first player picked in fantasy sure. dress. I don't I'm know totally how to explain to that. people that Mahomes comes after Josh Jacobs. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not great. Your first downs thing, though, I can't get behind. I still think that, like, we I, that's a bridge too far. But why just is it make, a bridge too far? The whole point of a drive is to get a first down. Why don't we just score fantasy based on EPA? <laughs> This is not analytics. The, the only things that matter in football are yards, first downs, and touchdowns. Those are the three things that should be Danny, one points. Expected points added doesn't matter, Heifetz. Wow. Jo join Danny Heifetz DVOA Fantasy League. God. Oh launching. God. Yeah. First downs. We're going yeah. to put a guide up. Let me be devil's advocate here, Danny Heifetz. The, the Mahomes, Josh Allen, whoever it is, they've already got their, their football league where they can shine. It's called the NFL. Why can't we have... <laughs> right. A league where Josh Jacobs is a thing. Why can't we have a league where running backs who can catch out of the backfield are go go in the first round, even if they might not be the most famous guy? Let's have a little bit of fun here, Danny Heifetz. We already know we already know who the best players in football are. We don't need to do it again. We don't need you know we don't need a league where we're just drafting Quentin Nelson, counting it twice. Know? No, yeah. because it's way no, because if you have a league where you can start Mahomes and Kyler Murray together next to each other and then you root for them on every play, it's a hell of a lot more fun than hoping, why are you taking out Chase Edmonds on third and five at the three yard line? Like that's not fun. You feel like an idiot. Like the reason fantasy is fun is you can root for certain players and the quarterbacks are the most important players. The rules of fantasy football were just invented 50 years ago from when, as you have chronicled a lot, Kevin, just 50? running backs yeah, were the face of the league. 50 years ago? <laughs> yeah, no, the fantasy 70s? football these modern you know, the scoring of, of quarterback passing touchdowns are worth four and rushing touchdowns are worth six was straight up, I think, 1968, I believe. Wow. Perhaps there's, we need an update to make quarterbacks a little more valuable over the last 50 years. Any other thoughts on this before I move on? <laughs> nope. <laughs> no. <Okay>. <laughs> Nobody knows what's going on when we watch the Olympics. We just turn on our TVs and become obsessed with sports we haven't thought about in four years. This is why we made the Ringer Guide to the Summer Games. I'm your host, Roger Sherman. Each day during the Tokyo Olympics, I'll tell you about a different sport, athlete, or storyline. We'll be releasing new episodes every day starting July 19th. Follow along on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts so you know exactly how to watch the Olympics. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Great question here from Couch Thoughts. Which mid-round player are you drafting around early? Who's going over drafted Craig Holbeck? 
so I'm I'm drafting Tyler Higby probably two rounds early this year. So Tyler Higby for the first time in his career is without Gerald Everett, who was the tight end on the Rams, who's now on the Seahawks. Every single time that Gerald Everett has not been on the field, Tyler Higby has gone insane. In 2019, Gerald uh, Everett missed like the last five games of the season. Higby set a record. He had four straight 100-yard games. He was the overall tight end one in the league. And then last year, Gerald Everett missed one game in the 2020 season. In that game, Tyler Higby had three touchdowns. Tyler Higby is an incredibly athletic, <laughs> productive tight end who now has the best quarterback of his career, who's probably going to be in the best offense the Rams have had in the last three years. I think Higby is going outside the top 100 right now. Super underrated. I love Higby. Wow. Okay. You have another guy here. Yeah, I like T. Higgins a lot. I, feel, I just, honestly, this is just like, he's getting disrespected because Jamar Chase is like the cool new shiny object. Yeah. And T. Higgins had... Honestly, one of the better rookie wide receiver seasons we've had in a while, but he's been overshadowed by Justin Jefferson. And on teams that have three good receivers, like the Steelers, like the Cowboys, and like the Bengals, I like drafting the non-best guy because you're essentially getting— Most expensive getting, guy, you should say. Correct. The most the I like getting the, the second or third most expensive guy because you're essentially drafting upside. Basically, like, take someone like Allen Robinson. His projection right now, when you look at him on— whatever website, The Ringer, he's projected at his max. There's pretty much no other scenario where he sees significantly more targets or production or yards than what his current projection suggests because he's the guy. There's no one else. The Bengals trio leaves a lot of food on the table. So if anything happens to one of them, the other one's projections go through the roof and they could have an incredible season. So that's kind of why I like these guys. Like I said, like the Cowboys, like the Steelers, the Jujus, the, the CDs, the Gallops. Because I just think they have so much more upside than guys who don't have much competition on their team. So I think T. Higgins is awesome. He's also wow. best shape of my life guy narrative this year. Uh, sounds like he came into camp and, and the coaches are blown away at his explosiveness, which is cool. Oh. Yeah. Has anyone ever come in at like the worst shape of their life? Zeke. Yes. Many times. <laughs> Zeke. Zeke. <laughs> ben, every single year except this year. <laughs> except this year. Yeah. I wish, as some of the Steelers writers are pointing out, like we saw Ben in minicamp like a month ago, and he wasn't in the best shape of his life. And I too said, "Like he is, he is cranking right now. He is so healthy." And they're like, uh, okay, keto Ben. Um, could you imagine? Like that? I just I think that was perfect. Like that was I needed that in the middle of July. It's just a random Ben Roethlisberger is, is in the best shape of his life story. <laughs> Absolutely. And the whole thing about Ben is he he's obsessed with losing weight. Which is what like, I don't think for the right... last like 17 years. Obsessed, obsessed. Um, all right. I, I just have a question. Maybe Stewart can help me. What is considered the, like the best shape of Ben Roethlisberger's life previously in the NFL? Like, is there a year where he came in and he was just shredded and he had a great season? I, I don't really remember. Ben's never been better than when he's hurt mid game and then comes back with yeah, like, yeah, whatever yeah. they inject into him. That's when he's in his best shape. We also <laughs> need to know if there's like a local Pittsburgh, like, uh, pierogi shop or something where he's been regularly seen and he just hasn't been seen since like June began. Maybe that's what's going on here. Sounds like a hype story. Uh, Danny <laughs> Kelly, who are we overdrafting? So Damian Harris for the Patriots is a guy that I've been kind of grabbing up and in, in the mock drafts that I've been doing, he is sort of the last, you know, quote unquote starter for uh, like just an so NFL the listener team. knows how many, how many mock drafts have you done? Uh, I don't know. Not that many, honestly, probably like five or six. I've been, doing a few real for like, for, I've been doing a few of these mock drafts for like other publications around, you know, hmm. around the world. Um, Mike Reese from ESPN recently said that 
Damian Harris is the decisive RB1 for the Patriots. Because, like, the Patriots every year, it's always like, who is this guy? Who, who's going to be the lead guy? Who's going to get the most volume? We never know. Just take the cheapest guy. I think Damian Harris is going to be the guy who gets the most volume this year. Uh, specifically on early downs, I think that, you know, that's the big deal. But Because um, he hasn't been used in the passing game as much. But I think at the end of the day, like, at the point in the draft where you're grabbing him, he is the last guy who's going to get significant volume, in my mind. Unless an injury happens, then... You know, that's that's a reason to take a few guys really late in the draft. But to me, Damian Harris is a guy I'm grabbing before the cliff really comes. And then um, same sort of deal as Trey Sermon for the 49ers, I think, is going to end up being the starter for the 49ers. I do like uh, Raheem Mostert, but I'm just not sure if I can, you know, necessarily trust him to, to carry a heavy load and be the guy all year, uh, you know, all the way through the season. He's already kind of popped up with some injuries this offseason. So... You know, they traded up in the draft to grab him. They clearly liked him. It sounds like he came in and, and during OTAs and was really impressive. He, he took, like, first team uh, reps with the guys, and they really like what they were seeing. So um, Sermon is another guy I'm kind of just betting. I don't know if it's just a gut feel or whatever, but I'm just betting that he's going to be the guy in, in San Francisco, but, you know, after a few weeks. I didn't, like most people, it was kind of hard to follow college football last year. And I remember watching yeah. the Big Ten Championship game and seeing Trey Sermon run for 150 yards every single time yeah. that he ran the ball. And then <laughs> like, it, doing anything other, he would just run until like, he got tired or something. and be like, all right, that was, cool. that was a cool 27-yard run. I'll just stop for now. It was like he was climbing a mountain. He was just like, eh, I'll just take a little break. Like He was he, he was so good in that game. Yeah. Um, and I saw that, and I was like, this guy is... Either the Northwestern defensive line is the worst I've ever seen, which is, is possible, but I don't think so, or Trey Sermon is, is an NFL running back. So I'm, I'm totally, totally with you. Danny Heifetz. Well, first of all, I just want to shout the Trey Sermon meme from the championship game when he looked in the camera. That was fantastic. But the yeah, player, he had, he had, he had a yeah. huge game on and off. That was the unbelievable. Field. <laughs> but the, the the guy I'm reaching for in drafts this year, I just love Mike Davis. Like I have already talked about him ad nauseum on the fantasy show, but like I love Mike Davis. I just think he's a boring player with a boring name on a boring team, so he gets no love. But this is the starting running back for an offense that I I, I mean I think will be better. Even that Julio's gone. I know that sounds crazy to say, but I think they're going to actually be winning more games because the Falcons had terrible luck last year. They're going to win more games. And Mike Davis is the starter, but his name's Mike Davis. So who wants to take Mike Davis over like J.K. Dobbins? Nobody. The list goes on and on. The boring named players get the shaft every year. and It's not fair. <laughs> Kevin, non, I want to get a non-biased opinion. Obviously, Heifetz and Craig and I argue about this a lot, but do you think that the Falcons are the most boring team in the NFL? Or even in like the bottom five. Mm. So I think that they have, we have to see how this all shakes out. I think first year head coach, I think that Kyle Pitts gives them a floor mm. that's a little higher than normal. I think they have the chance to be the most boring team or one of the most boring teams, but I also think they have the chance to be kind of sneaky fun. Am I, am I crazy? Kyle, no. Kyle Pitts they changes still, they it. Still have, they still have Matt Ryan. I mean, it's not but like from they 20 have... 18 to 2020, I would say they uh -huh. were the most boring team. I would say now that they have Kyle Pitts and traded Julio, they've I think the that. Carolina, I think the Carolina Panthers are in their own division and they could <laughs> they could be more boring. How about the Lions? The Lions? Yeah. Are we sure that the Falcons aren't gonna be more exciting than the Vikings? Yeah. Are we sure the Justin Vikings are we Jefferson. sure that the Falcons are gonna be bad? Are we even sure they're gonna be bad? Like what if Arthur Smith comes in and it's just like turns his team around? Say, you can be good and boring. Are the, uh, I guess the Raiders aren't boring. 
They've got some interesting guys. I mean, no, the, boring, the Raiders are surprisingly boring on the like the Raiders are actually quietly the another extremely boring team on the field. Off the field, they're pretty fun. Right. All, right. Everything else, the John Gruden of it all, that's all crazy. Mark Davis is a cartoon character, but like the team is actually about as boring as there is in the NFL. I think that there's not really degrees of boring. There's just you you pass the threshold, and then I'm just like, I don't care about this team. I don't want to watch this team. It's the Mad Men thing where it's like, I don't think about you at all. Do you think about Derek Carr ever? Or Matt Ryan? Yeah. I think of both of them, yes. It's my job to think about them. She tries <laughs> Man, I don't know any. Look, I, I challenge everyone listening right now to tell me two things about Matt Ryan other than he was drafted by the Falcons. He lost the Super Bowl and went to Boston College. No one knows anything else about Matt Ryan. He's an amazing golfer, and his <laughs> okay, nickname that- his nickname is not anything about his demeanor. It's about that he used to just crush... Uh, Natty Isis in college a lot. <laughs> okay, there we go. There we go. I can keep going on Matt Ryan facts. Matt Ryan, interesting gonna... guy. All right. Um, tight end is from John. Tight end is a wasteland and a struggle every season. Should they be a required position in leagues or instead just replace it with another flex spot? Also, can everyone just get rid of kickers? I don't. I don't want to do the kickers thing because we've been doing kickers since 1968. The kickers debates 1968, as Danny Heifetz has been talking about. But I do want to do the tight end thing. Um, eight in the modern NFL is obviously a crop of. I wonder. Think. Yeah, I think you should leave me. What a crop of tight ends uh, at the very top, and then it gets dark pretty quickly. I'll start with you, Craig. Uh, tight end. K- keep it or dump it. Keep it. I don't know if I'm a traditionalist, but if it's a position in the NFL, I want it to be a position on my fantasy football team. I also think it makes people like Travis Kelsey more valuable, which I think is cool because he's that valuable in the NFL. Uh, You know, he's the only guy going in the first round of drafts at tight end, and I think that's cool, and I think that should stay. I have my my, one of the fantasy hot takes later is about position scarcity of the tight end position. Danny Heifetz. Tight end. Well, I'm going to ask you a question, Kevin, because it's like, yeah. So Mike Gesicki lined up in the slot like 90% of his. Is he a tight end? Like in the this to me is less right. about fantasy, more reflection of the real league. Is should Mike Gesicki be a tight end or receiver? Right. This is like Jimmy Graham saying that he was a wide yeah. receiver, not a tight end in arbitration. Um, and I believe he lost that case. But then it all it all came down to like it was actually crazy. It was just like they it was about blocking and there was testimony and all that stuff, and it was really fascinating. Anyway, um, I, I think that you we kind of understand in the spirit that like Mike Gesicki is a tight end and not a wide receiver. Like, I'm not like Kyle Pitts, and we'll get to him a little later in the second part of this thing. But, you know, Daniel Jeremiah's line was that even if you hate, absolutely hate Kyle Pitts' blocking, if you just make him wide receiver, he'd still be worth the top five pick. Right. Um, so I, I understand that part of it, but I think that you, I think it's pretty. I don't think there's that many guys who are actual borderline. A tight end is a tight end. And until that, those positions merge a little more, um, I, I don't think we have to worry about it. So, Danny, tight end, you want what do you want to do? So, I, I say keep them. I agree with everything you just said. I say keep them, but tight end premium leagues, I play in quite a few of those, and I really like them. So, basically, it's PPR, but tight ends get 1.5 PPR. Um, and it, it's a good mix because the best tight ends in the NFL, Kelsey, Kittle, uh, you know, Waller, they're extremely, extremely valuable. But you can get more and you can play at like either tight end or flex. You can play some of the like, quote, lower level tight end guys um, where, you know, it actually pays to have those players on your roster. It pays to kind of like dig in and and try and figure out who's going to be the guy this year. So I think it just expands kind of like what you have to do, the strategy. 
I don't necessarily like the idea of eliminating tight ends altogether because then you only literally there's only like three guys worth paying attention to. So I don't know. To me, that just takes guys out of the player pool and it's less fun. So that's my that's my take on it. It's kind of like the NBA, where like the all the all NBA like roster. There's been so much debate about what should the positions you vote for in the NBA. It's not that different. The positionless stuff. All right, Mango asks, <laughs> which team do you think will overachieve and which team will underachieve the most? Danny Heifetz. Underachieve, overachieve. I think so. I guess it's relative to expectations, but I think overachieve to me it's Washington. I think Washington could win the division over the Cowboys, and I just think that Washington really will have a top three defense this year, if not like the best defense. I think Chase Young is unbelievable. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is a sneakily huge upgrade, even though he's Ryan Fitzpatrick because he doesn't. He kind of has to be a game manager. This will pretty probably pretty easily be the best defense he's ever played with. They have to figure out the offensive line, but like I just think Washington's really great. The team that I think is the underachiever is the Steelers. I mean, I hate to say it, but like, my, so Mike Thomas never had a losing record as a coach. I kind of think the Steelers have a losing record this year, and I hate to say it, but just they just went from a team whose strength was like a lot of depth to now they're just top heavy. Like, it's not clear who's across going to be the rushing from TJ Watt. They just lot of, lost a lot of depth on defense, and depth is really important there. I don't their line can't really get worse, so even it gets better. I just think the whole offense built is is built around Ben's limitations. It feels to me like the Giants just holding on to Eli Manning for a year too long a few years ago. I just don't. I think this is a team who's just too committed to Ben, but like I just don't believe the uh, – the, the, I don't think that they're going to be nearly as competitive as last year. Hmm. Danny Kelly? So first of all, I kind of want to disagree with the Steelers' take. Get him. Craig, Get Craig, him. Get DK. Craig, Get is, him. Craig is too close to it. He's a Steelers fan, so I'm going to let him just sit there and seethe for a while. But like, I just see the Steelers Craig the as... Most, Craig, Craig is the most cynical Steelers fan on the planet. He's not going to bring out the pom-pom to the 2021 Steelers. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Regardless, I, for me, it's just the Steelers have too much talent. I, I know that they're maybe not as deep. Well, they're certainly not as deep as you'd like to be. Um, and the Big Ben question is a valid, like that's a valid, valid concern. But for me, I'm just looking at like the skill players they have. Like they got Najee this offseason. They're a trio of really good receivers. Um, they've got some star level players on defense. I don't know. I'm just looking at them. I don't think they're going to be bad. They might not be elite, but I don't. I don't think they're a losing team. Um, that's just my take. But we'll, we can move on from that. One team I want to talk about that might overachieve, and this is mostly based on the narrative and I think the general feel for it right now. But I kind of think the Jaguars are going to be better than people think. I'm not saying they're going to be good. I'm going to I'm going to say I'm a big believer in Trevor Lawrence. I think he's going to raise the floor significantly, significantly on offense. And everybody's worried about Urban Meyer, and I think that's fair. But I don't think it's going to be the point where they're just like getting, you know, boat raced or whatever. I think that Trevor Lawrence is good enough to to really raise the floor of this team. I think they're going to be competitive. I think they've got some really exciting talent on both sides of the ball. So I don't think they're going to be the train wreck that everyone thinks they're going to be. And Urban Meyer is going to be, I don't think Urban Meyer is going to be as bad as people think right now. Huh. I, I agree with the Urban Meyer take. <laughs> yeah. I, I do agree with that. And that's something I've been pretty consistent on all offseason is that everybody, you, you can enter enter this league in a couple of different ways. Like Lou Holtz famously coached the Jets and after like five weeks was like, God did not put Lou Holtz on this earth to, to coach the NFL. Like he literally <laughs> said that. Yeah. Um, Nick Saban basically said, I didn't like how little control I had over the process, whether that's the draft or free agency and, and moved on. Jimmy Johnson built one of the best dynasties the last 50 years. 
Um, and and you know, Chip Kelly was was up and down in a bit of a roller coaster, but his schemes obviously had success. I think the Urban Meyer schemes can have success. I think he's one of the, you know, if you just look at the, the innovations he's had, I think there's, there's something there. I just think that the talent's going to take a little while to catch up. That, that division's pretty weak, though, so they'll win some games that we probably think they shouldn't this year, but I don't know. I, I, I think they'll be fine. Um, did you say you're, you're underachieved? Danny no, Kelly? so I didn't, I didn't think about this a lot beforehand, but I'm, the team that I'm just coming back to is the Cardinals, and it's not because I don't believe in Kyler. I do believe in Kyler, but I'm yeah. just still sort of... They're going to get beat up. <clears throat> I'm just still sort of waiting for what, what like, what is Cliff Kingsbury, what is he going to bring? Is he going to bring this like four wide, super awesome air raid offense? Or is it going to be more closer to what we saw last year and the year before? Um, I just am not quite ready to jump on board with the Cardinals. I think that they have a lot of talent, but are, are how, they, how be are able they able to winning get games? How are they winning games in that division? Yeah. And it's tough division, really, really tough division. So that's the team that I, that I kind of just first went to where I'm not quite sure I'm ready to see them like turn into this, high-level playoff team yet. But who knows? I don't think they're... I don't... I think the Cliff's probably... I, I think he's going to get some bad luck because of that division. There's three really good teams in that, and I think that it might be over for our, for our boy. I, mean, I just don't see a path might forward be. for them to have a decent season. Am I... Does anybody disagree with me? Good. <laughs> you don't have... Uh, you don't have anybody listed here. I like the Chargers to overachieve this year. I mean... They're pretty much a different, completely different team than they were two years ago. They've been riddled by injuries. Like that's the whole story on the Chargers every offseason. Like if they can stay healthy, they have Brandon Staley now. Like I think their defense is going to be borderline a top ten defense, and they have a brand new offensive line essentially with Herbert. Like I don't really know what there is to not like. I guess a completely new coaching staff with Lombardi at the OC and and Staley coaching maybe could cause some hiccups and a slow start. But I just, I mean, the Chargers went seven and nine last year. I think. I don't think it'd be that crazy for them to win 10, 11 games this year. No, not at all. I mean, that's that's the upgrade. They also got super unlucky. But I know, I, I will say that saying the Chargers will have better luck is a recipe for disaster. <laughs> True. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Wearing a men's warehouse outfit makes you confident, like you could do anything. So you dance like no one is watching, even though everyone is watching. Because of the men's warehouse outfit, you interview like the job is already yours because it is. Because of the men's warehouse outfit, you golf as if the rules don't apply to you because you're too well-dressed for rules. Because of the men's warehouse outfit. At Men's Warehouse, get measured, get fitted, get hot, get confident in everything from tailored suits to underwear and all the stuff in between. Love the way you look at Men's Warehouse. I will go to this one. Danny, you have a lot of thoughts on this one. This is from Patricor. Is there a position ranking that ends up on championship rosters more than more than others? E.g., a top five running back is on 70% of teams, a top three wide receiver, or top seven wide receiver, top three tight end, for example. Danny Heifetz, you have a lot of notes here. You've been thinking about this. This is this is since 1968. This has been roaming around in your mind, and and now it's time. Hit us with it. Well, it's just worth knowing. I think there's a couple things worth knowing. Is that every like 
every year there's a player that just disproportionately gives you a great chance to make the playoffs or win your championship. So like last year, I think 70% of the teams that had J- that picked up James Robinson from the Jaguars made the fantasy playoffs in ESPN. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. And then I think a few years ago, like 2018, 40% of the teams that had Christian McCaffrey won their championship. Not made the championship, like won the championship 40%. <laughs> That's, great. That's, That's a crazy, crazy number. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that I don't have it in front of me. These numbers are on ESPN, but like, Specifically, I'm sure that Alvin Kamara must have had a, a similar impact last year. But just the point being, like, there are certain players that you're targeting because really, my point is that as you get later in your draft, you want upside. The first two or three rounds, you want a mix of upside, like you want a player who could be great, but you also just don't want to strike out. And then later, you can start swinging for the fences because you do want that kind of player. DK mentioned Trey Sermon before, depending where you can get him. If you can get maybe the lead rusher for the San Francisco 49ers and Kyle Shanahan, that's a home run kind of player. But it's it's worth targeting guys who could blow up. Lamar Jackson, two years ago in 2019, was going outside the top 100. I believe more than half the teams who had Lamar Jackson made the fantasy championship. So you do want those kind of home runs. Yeah, it could be like Trey Lance. If Trey Lance starts week four and just explodes, I honestly think it's really waiver wire. Like, to be honest, we're all pretty much the same at drafting. You and your friends in your league, your teams are all probably going to be pretty even unless one person's way better than the other. And if everybody has, you know, if if no one gets hurt, I feel like everyone's teams are pretty similar. So what you really got to do is it's whoever is the guy who can grab DeMarco Murray in week four, five years ago when he started to take off, it's it's grabbing the Justin Jeffersons last year, being like the waiver, the over. Over, the proactive waiver wire dude in your league, I think, is the most important way to win your to win your league. The most practical advice is just cut your kicker after the draft and just keep it as an extra bench spot till week one because you want those kind of players. And you could do that like every week. If you, you don't want. even have to draft a kicker. Don't draft a kicker. Yeah. Thinking outside the box. Craig is the Belichick of fantasy football. <laughs> <laughs> I think Belichick likes special teams too much to cut the kicking. No, remember, didn't he cut the long snapper before week one a couple years ago or like four or five years ago? And then there was a, a fumbled snap in the first or maybe it was the holder. I don't remember. Oh, really? he, I don't remember he played that. some some. Let me tell you something. Bill Belichick loves one thing more than special teams, and it's uh, ruthless salary cap management. <laughs> I forget what the actual thing was. Um, all right. So. Here's here's one that I, I actually didn't want to ask, but you guys want to ask from Timmy. If Drew Locke was a cheese, what cheese would he be? Danny Heifetz. Wait, who actually put this in here? Danny Kelly? I did. Okay, Craig. <laughs> Craig. You you lead the way since since you have an answer already. I wrote Pepper Jack. I did 10 seconds of research. I literally Googled yeah. list of cheeses and was you, like, oh, was I think the, he's Pepper Jack. What's the worst cheese? Uh what? you know. Every what once in cheese, a while, what cheese are you trying actively trying to replace? I don't love pepper jack, <laughs> to be honest, and uh, like it works. Jack? It works rarely. Once in a while, it's great, but on most things, it doesn't work at all. You can't put it on pasta. It doesn't work on pizza. It works in like a spicy sandwich, which is, I mean, Drew Locke, like one in every twenty throws. You're like, wow, that was amazing, or one in every twenty scramblers. Like, wow, that was amazing, but it's just it can't go with most things. That's good. I I think he's maybe a craft single. Because you know how Kraft Singles technically not cheese. That That's right? I think that Drew Lock technically may not be a quarterback. <laughs> Should have played basketball. What, what is a Kraft Single? It's like how Subway bread isn't really bread legally because there's two, oh, it's not like enough sugar. Yeah, like, yeah. It's just or kind whatever. of a gelatinous goo, but it's really good. It's like Dove soap isn't soap. Like it's a it's a beauty bar, but you have a Dove <laughs> box in your home. Like you look for the word soap on there. It's not there. Many years ago, I. Uh, 
I used to go when I lived in Miami, I would go to this store, this convenience store, and I would get a buffalo chicken sandwich every day. After like two months, this guy behind the counter was like, you really like these? And I was like, yeah, it's my it's my daily lunch. I, I do it before I go into work. And he goes, it's so good, and I can't believe uh, it's not chicken. And it, I had no idea what it was, and I just kind of stopped, backed away, and just said, okay, I'm not going <laughs> to have this buffalo chicken sandwich anymore, because I don't know further questions here on it. That's the Broncos and Drew that's Locke. Drew Locke. That's, yeah. that's, that's Drew Locke to me. That's Drew Locke to me. Danny Kelly, Drew Locke. First place my mind went, Swiss cheese, because there's a lot of holes in his game. Oh, oh, no. oh my God, you're a dad. Oh, boy. <sighs> Thank you. Calvin oh, would boy. love that one. Thank you. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, <laughs> Jared asks, which NFL players would be the best at playing fantasy football? <laughs> so I have some takes on this. I think it's yeah. either it's, it's a young quarterback who played in a modern spread offense. I mean, like a little bit like whether that's Kyler or like you think about you think about even like a guy a little different, but someone like Joe Burrow who just understands the value of the skill guys around him and understands what it takes to, to have those guys. Cause you don't really need any football expertise. You just need the ability to understand which skill guys to get. That'd be my take. So Kyler or Joe Burrow would be my, my one too. Danny Heifetz. Kyler's a good one. Cause I think you really just want someone who's extremely freaking competitive. Like I, I yeah. honestly, I think my answer is Brady just cause I feel like he's I was the most competitive guy. And then also, <laughs> I, you can also, there's also the joke that he just, all the players will come to him and want to play with him. But I actually just think you want the most competitive dude. The person who spends the most time on their team usually wins. He would create his own company full of people that would do research on, you know, probabilities of every player and everything. Like, he'd be the TB12 method at fantasy. Just like you said, though, Heifetz, he's so competitive, so smart. I feel like, I think, yeah. I think I'd take a running back. I think I'd pick, like, Derrick Henry because he understands his own value, and he would just draft running backs. Bet on yourself, baby. Right, yeah. He's like, I understand that we matter. I'm taking <laughs> me. I'm taking Zeke, McCaffrey. <laughs> Do you think that when players are in fantasy leagues that there's a, a rule that no one else is allowed to draft them? Do we have any idea how many actual players play fantasy? Is it extremely rare or do you think it's common? Uh, I don't Maurice, think Jones, Maurice Jones Drew did it, right? That was the The big craziest thing. story I've heard is that Matt Hasselbeck, when he was the starting quarterback for the Seahawks, benched himself, I believe, in favor of Peyton Manning, and then Matt Hasselbeck had five touchdowns, 450 <laughs> yards, the best game of his career. Yeah. Um... Let's see. Maurice Jones drew uh, accused Greg Jones of fantasy football sabotage at one point. So that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> there should be a players league. H hung him out to dry on a goal line play for fantasy football purposes. Wow. You know who wouldn't be good? Nick Chubb for going down at the one yard line. Mm. It's good mm. football. Am I am I misremembering that he did that last year? Right. Yes. I have a take on that that's going to be in the next episode. Speaking of, we're All at right. the 45-minute mark, which means it is time for the second episode. You can find it over on the Fantasy Football feed. I'm relinquishing hosting duties to Danny Heifetz. I'm just a guest. <laughs> I'm just a lowly guest. I, it, what, do you, what, what do I get when I enter the Fantasy Football Lounge? Do I get like a robe? Well, we have a whole gift package. We can follow up with you that. We can follow up with you later. It's like a whole care Thank package. You. We I'm have stuff, beauty bars, cucumber waters for you. Yeah. There's a whole stuff. There's a whole list of stuff. Slippers. That's not technically what it says. Yeah. Slippers is what I was looking for. Thank you, Craig. Thank you to Arjuna Ramkapal for production and Craig Horlbeck, who's calling his own number today. Rare player coach appearance for Craig <laughs> Horlbeck here on the Ring NFL show. Next up on this feed is Flying Coach. Find the second part of this episode on the Ring of Fantasy Football feed wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you next week.